Welcome, everybody. It is so good to have you here. My name is Emily Click, and I'm the Assistant Dean for Ministry Studies. I work in the Office of Ministry Studies along with Dudley Rose, who I think was in here during the last hour. Is that right? And, um, and my good colleague here, Laura Tuak, who I'll introduce a little more extensively in a moment. Um, this session right now, um, we're very glad to have you here, no matter what degree you're considering, um, including if you're thinking about doing a medical degree somewhere or whatever. Um, uh, it's perfectly appropriate for you to be here, but we will be focusing on the field education program and uh, what it looks like here at Harvard Divinity School. Um, our goal during this entire day is, first of all, to extend a very warm welcome to you. We know um, for some of you it's cost you dearly to come here today, um, either literally, <laughs> expensive-wise, but certainly in terms of your time. Um, I would say I think it's a very good investment on your part. Um, coming to visit the school where you're contemplating, applying, and hopefully coming um, is it the best piece of data you can get. I'm sure you've looked at our website extensively, but take your time to talk with faculty. We make ourselves available. Take your time to talk with current students and ask them the questions that are dear to your heart and really be an investigative journalist today. Um, we want you to really experience Harvard Divinity School authentically um, because we know you will be happy if you make a decision to come here understanding who we are. And so our real purpose is to kind of pull apart you know, the curtains and, and help you to see us. So um, I make myself um, really available this whole afternoon. I'll be at lunch from 1 to 2. So I will be happy for um, follow-up conversations. Thank you, and welcome. Our field education program is a very exciting part of um, what you get to be part of, with, whether you come for the MDiv degree or the MT MTS degree. It is required that you do two full units of field education if you are in the MDiv degree. You are very welcome to participate in the program if you're an MTS student. Um, the MDiv degree um, is a three-year degree. And somewhere during those three years, you need to do two units, each of which is 350 to 400 hours in a particular ministerial context. So one of those might be over a summertime. One of them has to be concurrent with one full academic year. It could be a first, second, or third year. And what you're doing there is some kind of ministerial service. That could include working in a United States Senator's office, greeting people as they come in the door. You could be in a Buddhist Sangha, helping them figure out the finances of how do you make a small place work. You could be in a, a, a basically assistant um, pastor position in a church. All of these things are the types of things you're doing in field ed. In just a moment, I'm going to turn things over to our panel who will share their particular experiences. We haven't asked them to give the overall for field ed, we just asked them to tell you about their experiences, because that's really the best way for you to get a sense of it. So in order to kind of orient you toward that very, very briefly, let me just give you a bit of an overview. First of all, if you are seriously considering theological education here and several other places, it's important for you to pay attention to what the opportunities are and are not in field education because that is dramatically different between different schools. 
And I am a good colleague to field educators across the country. And so I, I would want you to know that there are really good, excellent field ed programs at a number of other institutions. So I'm not trying to say there's only one good program, but it's different. So my job today is to give you the particularities and the uniqueness of Harvard Divinity School. One of those is what I've just said to you earlier, which is that we encourage you, though we don't require it, to start field education the first semester you're here. That's unusual. Why do we do that? Because of what our philosophy is about field education. You might think that field education is your opportunity to develop job skills so that your graduate degree will support some kind of job when you graduate. That is true of field education, but it's a second or third place priority. The very first thing we expect of field education is that it puts you into conversation with what you're learning in other locations. So your learning in the classroom infuses the learning in the site. The learning in the context infuses the learning in the classroom. It's a cycle like this. So of course we don't want to deprive you of that in your first semester. Um, other schools may have more of a philosophy that you need to learn some basic things and take some basic classes before you go out into the field. And that's more of a sort of applied theory of what field education is. You learn the theory and then you apply it. Here we see it as theory is constructed in all of these locations. And you are constructing and partnering in the constructing of fundamental understandings even as you're working at sites. So it's a very integrative component. And that's, that is a very important understanding that is held by the entire faculty here. Um, Opportunities here include, as I said, working in a religious institution. And in that case, we require the religious institution to compensate you for that work. If you are working in a site that is non-religious and the kind of work you're doing is not to support a religious institution, so for example, I gave the example of someone who worked in the United States <coughs> Senator's office, that wasn't a good example, but um, let's say you're working in a program that is um, an after-school tutoring program that's open to the entire community. Then we make it possible for you to earn work-study in your field <coughs> education placement. And there are a whole lot of, you know, provisos and, you know, the, I'm not going to make this like one of those commercials on TV where you're, they're trying to sell you a prescription and you hear all of these exceptions. But there are a lot of details to be heard. But that is pretty unique at Harvard Divinity School. One other thing I'll point to, we have someone on the panel who will give much more detail on this, but we have an extraordinary uh, international component to our field education. Um, if you are interested in learning in an international setting, um, and you work with us extensively, and then we have a very competitive selection process, you may be able to go internationally. As I say, we have one of our students who will talk about that more extensively. While you're doing your field education in your, remember I said one of them is during an academic year, concurrent with your classes, you take a companion course called Meaning Making. We see both of these as teaching you what we call theological reflection. How do you bring your faith stance to bear, not only on what you've experienced, but on what you might do in the future? Now, when I say faith stance, by that we do not exclude folks 
who themselves don't really use the word faith. They may be coming more from um, a human values point of view. We have a whole group, very, very vibrant group on campus who call themselves the nuns. That is not spelled N-U-N. Um, and so you can see that one of the richness um, of being at Harvard Divinity School is you yourself may be you know, a deeply observant Muslim and you may be sitting next to a deeply observant, very conservative Christian who may be sitting next to someone who is a nun, who may be sitting next to someone who grew up both Christian and Jewish, who is sitting next to someone else who is really seeking and, and, and not sure. And this may be your group that you are in for an entire year learning about theological reflection, okay? Imagine that. So the word theological, someone will say, oh, that didn't work for me. And so then you have to talk with each other about what kind of reflection are we engaging? That is, if, if you hear that and it feels like electricity and exciting to you, then you begin to say, hmm, this may be the place for me. Um, it's hard work. It's full of flaws and failure and mistakes, um, just as is true when you walk out onto Francis Avenue and you go anywhere in this community. Uh, life is hard, and it's not always easy to know how to do it correctly. Finally, I want to say that many of you are presently involved in really exciting social change organizations, teaching environments. Maybe you've come here directly from college. Whatever it is that you've been doing, it's highly unlikely that you have had a supervisor on site who's met with you for an hour a week, not to go over your job responsibilities, but to sit with you to do theological reflection on the work that you're doing. To be able to bring them a case and to say, you know, I had this interaction with somebody and I walked away from it realizing, I'm never gonna talk that way again, <laughs> or I'm feeling really badly because I told them they couldn't do this and they'd already realized the rules say they can do this. How do we make sense of these moments, okay? Usually, in your, the hard work that you're doing, you just kind of feel badly about it. Maybe you go to the bar and have a drink, maybe you go to Starbucks and have you know, a frappuccino, or maybe you go online, but it's very hard to find dialogue partners who will sit with you sit with the ambiguity and uncertainty and help you to begin to make meaning. So we have someone here who has done this work very, very extensively, and he will speak from the panel so that you'll understand the uniqueness of field education is that partnered learning with all of those at the site and with your supervisor. So let me begin now um, introducing to you a couple of the panel um, members, and um, then my colleague will introduce uh, the others. So let me begin with Hannah Stoller, who's like, it's kind of a beautiful dress with, um, what is, what's that called? Window paint. Yes. Um, hi, Hannah. Hi. Um, so Hannah is in her third year. I cannot believe that, Hannah. Is that really true? Um, and she did uh, feel that in her first year at Renewal House, which is a program of the United Unitarian Universalist Urban Ministry. And Renewal House shelters individuals and families who have fled domestic violence. Her second unit of field education um, was done in Washington, D.C. over the summer, last summer, um, at IMA World Health. Uh, this is the world headquarters for it. And it happens to be run by an alum of HDS, Rick Santos. The mission of IMA World Health is to build healthier communities by collaborating with partners and countries to serve vulnerable populations. Um, thank you for being here, Hannah, and we look forward to hearing from you. 
Um, uh, in the middle, are you in the middle? Nick Zayner, the blue, also the blue. plaid. I'm only introducing people Nick in some form of plaid. Um, <laughs> Nick Zayner is a third year MDiv. Nick's first unit of field ed was last summer in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Nick received a grant through the Office of Ministry Studies to do this international field ed. He's now in his second unit of field ed as a chaplain at Spalding Rehabilitation Center in Cambridge, and Nick plans to continue on to medical school after graduation, just having returned from one of those interviews, right? So we'll yeah. see what lays ahead. All right. So now let me introduce my partner in crime, Laura Tuak. That's not crime. We're not criminals. Um, but we... <laughs> Really, we're not. We work together closely in helping students find their place here. And she might say something about the student-initiated option uh, uh, for field education because she works very closely with that part of our program. Um, Laura herself is an ordained United Church of Christ minister, as am I. I did forget to mention that. And um, is known by the students as a very compassionate listener. She also teaches in the meaning-making program, so she's one of the people who um, brings that group of folks together. So it's always such a privilege to work alongside you, my good friend and criminal in cahoots, uh, Laura Tuak. Thank you, and um, if I may extend a warm welcome also. I am also an alum of HDS, so I remember nervously sitting in one of those seats uh, many years ago now. So welcome, welcome. I hope you find um, it as exciting as I did when I was um, sitting where you're sitting today. So I get to uh, introduce Upali Sreeman. And Upali is um, one of our first students in the Buddhist Ministry Initiative who came to us as a special student. And from there, applied to HDS and was accepted as an MTS student and uh, then transferred into the MDiv program, um, as did Nick. Nick um, also transferred um, from the MTS program to the MDiv students. We, do, we have a little bit of a pipeline, <laughs> but I would say listen closely because if you feel yourself moved by some of the, the experiential learning that students are doing in field education, you might um, spend some time thinking about that as you discern which program to apply to. So if you're feeling really excited about the option of doing field education, yeah, you might look a little bit more into the MDiv program. Um, as Emily uh, said, I work with students extensively on student-initiated field education projects. So we have about 100 accredited sites that you can look at on our website. And then we have this really creative option for students who don't um, necessarily see the type of ministry represented in the list that we um, have provided, these community relationships that we've built over many, many years. And students will develop their own um, plan for learning and propose it and work with us to make sure that it meets the criteria for the program. So Upali is one of those students. He's done uh, field education in his um, second year here. He was at the Tufts University Chaplaincy, so he worked extensively with students on the Tufts University campus as part of their chaplaincy department. And this year, he is working with the, the Bengali community locally, his community, um, serving in powerful ministry, um, as is his obligation as a monk, uh, is to receive the community and teach and work with them. And he's also combining that with some work with practitioners and graduates and uh, doctoral students in the area around practice and spirituality. So we're happy to have Upali as part of the panel. 
And down on the end is David Price. And David Price is a second year MDiv. And he is engaged in his first unit of field education this year in his second year with the City Mission Society, which is New England's oldest uh, social justice agency. Uh, affiliated deeply with the United Church of Christ, many uh, deep roots there. And his work uh, with the City, City Mission Society is to build bridges between suburban uh, people of faith and urban communities, and I think particularly around homelessness, right, David? That's correct. Yeah, homelessness. And um, using the theory in his leadership class with Emily Click uh, in practice and learning about leadership in that role. And this summer, I believe he hopes to go internationally uh, back to South Africa to engage in a powerful leadership program, um, but hopefully to get field ed credit and support from our office. So he will be applying to that <coughs> later in the spring. And finally, Scott Campbell, uh, who is our representative denominational counselor for the United Methodist students on campus, as well as a meaning-making instructor for now 50 18 years. So Scott has been a real partner to us in learning um, and is uh, deeply supportive and the students who work in his meaning making um, classes um, just sing his praises for the depth and level of feedback that he gives students on the cases that they present. Um, he is a retired United Methodist pastor but retired is probably not the right word. While he's not serving a congregation, he is um, it's serving extensively with their judicatory um, arm, um, working to uh, ensure justice for um, our gay and lesbian and trans um, pastors in the United Methodist Church, so working extensively with them. Have I characterized that well? Close enough. Close enough, okay. <laughs> you can say more about that. Um, so we're going to get started, enough of us talking, and you get to hear from the students directly about how these experiences are shaping them vocationally and with their educational goals. So I'm going to turn it over to Hannah. Great. Can you hear me? Yeah. Great. Good morning. Uh, my name is Hannah. Um, I come to HDS um, originally from Connecticut, but directly uh, from New Orleans where I was doing my undergraduate work. Um, and came to HDS uh, to get an MDiv because I felt a call to service and to serve people and communities. Um, and field ed has really been crucial um, to me in figuring out what that means, at least for my immediate future. Um, I'm not just saying that because I've been asked to be on the panel. It's, it's really true. Um, I came here really feeling a call to service um, and having grown up in a Christian context in the UCC, what that meant in my mind as far as a career went um, was to be an ordained parish minister um, and had been told all my life that I would be so great at that and came from a very nurturing church who was uh, somewhat focused on helping me achieve that goal. Um, so, you know, I was kind of putting the pieces together. I really do feel called, and everyone says I'm going to be great at it, so let's just do this. Um, but struggled with the, uh, whether parish ministry was really where I'm supposed to be. Um, so um, my first year right off the bat, I decided that um, field ed work would be a great way um, for me to involve myself in my new community and to really start to parse out these feelings um, and still wary of parish ministry decided to um, 
seek out an opportunity um, with Renewal House, uh, which is a uh, domestic violence shelter in the Boston area in Roxbury, um, which services one of the um, only shelters in Boston that um, services families, LGBT, um, male and female um, identified um, clientele, um, which is not always true across the um, the city here. Um, and it was a fascinating experience. I came from doing um, some trauma work in undergrad working with um, uh, survivors of sexual assault and but had never been in an organization that um, really was counseling work and casework but had this religious dimension at least for me theologically um, and what that meant to really take what I felt was service in my past and put it in this context of learning theologically and what it means for uh, what I feel is a greater call to service. Um, and it was uh, an awesome opportunity specifically as far as supervision went. Um, I had a supervisor who um, is an ordained Baptist minister um, who grew up in the South and went to seminary on the West Coast and now is running a domestic violence shelter in a UU organization, and so we really clicked in the sense of, this isn't traditionally what I grew up thinking my call was supposed to look like, um, and really uh, got down to what it means to serve your call despite the organization not necessarily looking like what it stereotypically or traditionally would, um, so that was really helpful. Um, you actually missed my neighbor, too. I did. Too. I missed your second um, unit. So my second unit was um, the summer after my first year. I went to Guayaquil, Ecuador, uh, to work with an organization called Adopto Una Familia um, that I've been involved with since I was about 16, um, which is a... Um, how do we, how do we, how I did we a student-initiated site, yeah. Um, but it was an awesome opportunity. Um, I'm on the board of this organization at home, um, and it's it was a really great way to um, really learn in a context that I already knew. Um, and I was somewhat of a, we called it, for us, it was a field ed internship. For them, they called me their organizational consultant. Um, so it was really working with these um, individuals who, uh, we're going through a transition um, and changing roles and was kind of a group leader and running um, workshops on communication and effectiveness and going over policies and really forming, um, transitioning with the organization in a way that um, hadn't been done. Um, and it was really interesting, um, totally different than what I had been doing, but interesting in the fact that it was taking a lot of um, practical application of what I had learned thus far here um, and leadership skills that I feel that I innately had but hadn't really been able to flex before. Um, so it was a great opportunity in that sense um, and was awesome to be able to work with an organization that already meant so much to me, um, fulfill that need and be able to go there and do that but also um, have that be part of my narrative here and, and my education. Um, and then finally, uh, this past summer, I worked for IMA World Health in Washington, D.C., um, which I was, uh, is a, um, Nick will speak 
to this as well, but is an international public health organization, faith-based public health organization, but specifically had a domestically-based initiative called We Will Speak Out, which was, uh, which is a coalition that is moving to get faith communities to speak out to end uh, sexual and gender-based violence. Um, and that was an exciting opportunity for me um, as far as getting to be in a uh, larger scale nonprofit, really test out uh, what I wanted in a future organization. Um, and also supervision-wise, the CEO of the organization went to HDS and was my direct theological supervisor, even though in my day-to-day -day work I had a different supervisor, um, which was so cool to get to talk to someone who had been in my shoes here, made a totally different, somewhat business-based, but still faith-based career out of it, um, and also just to be able to talk to someone who's, have someone who is so high up in an organization invested in you and your journey and your um, call was really um, great for me. So overall, um, as my narrative of Field Edge shows, it's, I ended up doing things that were very far from what I traditionally thought I was supposed to do. Um, and each of those experiences were really different from one another, um, but were somewhat organic to me and my journey and um, really helped me figure out where I wanna be at least in the next couple months, um, hoping to stay in the Boston area and working in um, gender rights, uh, domestic violence advocacy, but in a education role. And so trying out various roles, various types of organizations in various places really help me to put those pieces together. Um, so I guess my main piece of advice would just to be follow the opportunities. I went to, I ended up at Renewal House because I went to Laura and said, this is what I think I'm good at and I really want to do these type of things, but I have no idea where to start. And she said, why don't you try this place? It sounds like it would be a perfect fit, and it was. Um, but I, I say the more field ed, the better, if you're <laughs> someone like me who's really figuring it out. So thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Hi, good morning everyone. So every time I came to this room, I was actually on that part of the room, which was more comfortable than being on this part of the room. <laughs> so as Laura said, I'm from Bangladesh. I did all my studies in Sri Lanka. Uh, it was when I was doing my first master's in Buddhist studies in Sri Lanka that I heard about the uh, Buddhist ministry program here. And uh, like many of my friends who, and, my, and my teachers, I was not sure what Buddhist ministry is and um, any of these words related to ministry, chaplaincy, pastoral care. And I had a uh, wish to explore like, how religion is studied in a Western uh, American university. So that was one of the main reasons why I ended up here. I'll start with an experience that I had uh, in Sri Lanka. So it was in 2009, I did a meditation retreat. That was the first time I attended an intensive 10-day meditation retreat. I was so excited by that experience that after coming uh, from that retreat, I started telling everybody that I met that they should go and experience that retreat. And uh, especially I remember one incident, I was telling it, uh, telling about it to one of my friends, I said, you go to the retreat and it will change your life. 
and my friend was just laughing and he said i'm so happy now and i don't want to change my life so i don't need to, <laughs> i don't need to go to that retreat so on retrospect uh, especially after learning uh, uh, after taking some of the courses on ministry uh, i'm reflecting what if i refer to that experience as a form of ministry how to uh, explain it what went wrong so for one thing i think there is no right or wrong form of ministry as long as i have some kind of good intention to help the person but it was definitely uh, not effective and i think there can be effective and ineffective forms of ministry or yes skillful and unskillful unskillful forms of ministry mm-hmm. but it was n- not the wrong form of ministry so and i i think i was trying to impose my own experience and perspective uh, about a practice a spiritual practice upon a, my friend when he was maybe not needing it at that moment mm-hmm. so my classes at hds help has helped me um, in many ways reflecting on these issues how can we be better kind of ministers or caregivers or spiritual teachers so i am uh, after doing my first year uh, as a special student i realized that i didn't have still have a, any answers to my questions like what is a good form of ministry or a better form of ministry so i needed uh, more training so i thought two years would be enough i switched to an mts program and when i towards the end of the semester i thought maybe that's not enough and i took advice from professor emily click and uh, uh, my other professors and i switched to an md program so taking some of the very interesting courses uh, on arts of ministry in my first year i thought i knew enough about ministry so that i could go uh, out into the world and practice ministry and change people's life so in my second year i uh, i started doing my field at as a chaplaincy intern at tufts university so i remember this experience Uh, the chaplaincy office is very generous they publicized about my appointment like all across the campus so and, and the uh, chaplain, university chaplaincy reverend gregory mcconigal is a alum from hds as well he gave a very generous introduction on the first day the meet and greet day there were about 60 people who turned up and he asked me to say something after the introduction i i was like speechless not not a single word was coming out of my mouth <laughs> i just said let's sit down and meditate <laughs> so when sitting and doing my meditation i was reflecting what was happening like trying to make sense of the situation and gather myself mm. and when i started the ministry it was some kind of curiosity how can i uh, practice what i learned in a, actually on the field when i am interacting with people but i realized that the curiosity was turning into some kind of a responsibility mm-hmm. it was no more uh, about me it was no more trying to show how good i am or how smart i am dealing with people i realized that when 60 people were uh, waiting to hear you what can you say or what can you do with them that will be helpful to their lives so i don't think this responsibility is guaranteeing that um, like 5 or 10 minutes of meditation will make them enlightened people but i think this responsibility is 
more about me, how I am uh, dealing with myself, how I am saying what I am saying or what I am doing. So it was a very good experience from the first day. I did. Uh, I used to go to TAPS uh, twice a week, sometimes doing meditation, sometimes doing dharma studies, uh, discussions. And in the second semester, I worked more with the interfaith student council. They have a very uh, enthusiastic group of students uh, from different religious communities who meet every week um, and uh, share their experiences and reflections. So it was a great experience. And what was interesting is that all the uh, chaplains at Tufts University, apart from the uh, rabbi, are uh, graduates from HDS. So if you think like HDS degree has no future, <laughs> you're wrong. Because all of them, uh, the Muslim, the Catholic chaplain, the humanist chaplain, who is a second year student at HDS, and the university chaplain, Reverend Greg, all of them are very successful uh, ministers. And it was a great inspiration to see uh, the ease and uh, like, with the ease with which they do their ministry and uh, how uh, successful they are. The students come and talk to them and they feel so comfortable. So uh, this year I'm working with the immigrant Bangladeshi Buddhist community in Boston. Uh, we don't have any monastery or temple uh, here. It's, there is no fixed establishment. So. And I myself uh, did all my studies in Sri Lanka, so for about 10 years or so, I was disconnected from my own community. And even in Sri Lanka, there were lots of senior monks in the monasteries where I was staying. They used to do the ministerial uh, activities. I myself didn't have to actively engage with them, although uh, I occasionally did participate. So in some ways, I had to come all the way to America to discover my own community and my own uh, people. and. Uh, do all this kind of work. So it's a great experience. I'm learning a lot from them, I, how uh, they are adjusting to lots of challenges uh, related to their jobs and uh, survival and trying to retain the culture and identity as a Bengali Buddhist community and trying to pass it on to the next generation. So it's a lot of challenge. We meet. Uh, we are supposed to meet once, at least once in a week. But a lot of people cannot come because of the different kinds of jobs that they do. We do uh, different religious services and try to observe all the uh, religious ceremonies according to the. Uh, we we cannot do exactly as we do in our countries, but we at least try to do. Uh, with whatever resources and capacities we have. So I, I, I think the analogy of uh, cooking food actually is very helpful in uh, making sense of what we learn at HDS and the uh, kind of ministry that we practice. Because just as I, I feel this analogy very helpful to me because I have to come all the way from like 13,000 kilometers to study here. So I have to prepare my own food. And it's an interesting experience because as monks in our countries, we don't have to prepare own food. We uh, depend on donations and 
uh, what we are offered by devotees. So every day you cook, you try to look at some recipes, but all the ingredients are not available in, even in the supermarket. So there is something always lacking. And you don't know how your food is until you cooked it. Sometimes accidentally maybe it's tasty and sometimes it's not so good, but you have to be happy. So I think ministry is that we, we try to put all the <coughs> ingredients that are available to us and we see how it is with all our best intentions, try to make it as tasty as possible, but it may not end up uh, very good. So that's the piece of advice actually, learn to cook as well. If you seriously, if you seriously uh, think of coming here, I think if you're going to live here, although I'm very grateful to receive uh, beautiful friends and teachers here who are uh, very, very helpful all the way. and. Uh, making sense of my time here. Thank you very much. Thank you, Father. That's, that's difficult to follow up, um, but I'm going to try. My name is David Price. I'm from Los Angeles, California, South Central Los Angeles to be specific. Um, this is my second year in the MDiv program and my first uh, field ed experience. And so my colleagues here have had a couple of, of years of experience or a couple of sites that they have worked with. So I'm coming to you with sort of a fresh experience only about six weeks into my uh, field ed site. I currently work with City Mission Society. It is, as Laura said, the oldest nonprofit uh, working on social justice in the New England area. I, I believe it's the second oldest in the United States mm -hmm. uh, going on 200 years next year. Uh, Currently, we focus on homelessness prevention, and I serve as the seminarian in the city. Uh, so essentially, my work uh, involves connecting people across the city to engage in urban ministry. The reason that I chose this site was because I presumed when I, when I first applied that I would be working with homeless people directly, uh, working with people who are on the margins, who are oppressed, uh, every time that, I, that I'm there. But what I found was that doing homelessness prevention ministry work requires me to go beyond just working with these individuals by myself, but creating uh, a space for other people to work in this mm -hmm. area as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do. I bridge uh, communities, suburban communities and urban communities, uh, suburban churches and urban churches. Currently I'm working with a church in Lexington, Massachusetts, um, Hancock United Church of Christ. Uh, it's a, a very rich, uh, very wealthy, uh, predominantly white community. Uh, and so I'm working cross-culturally, right? It requires me to uh, stretch myself beyond what I'm used to. And that's why I came here to Harvard. As, as I believe Emily stated, you will be sitting next to a person who's Muslim, who is Christian, who's atheist, who's agnostic, and all engaging in conversation. And for me, this is what is nourishing, uh, especially as I seek to go into a world that doesn't necessarily look like me or doesn't necessarily believe what I believe. Um, I find that working with City Mission is stretching me to, to think about homelessness in different ways. Uh, most of the work that City Mission has done has been uh, based off of charity. 
Um, but we just, I just read this book. My field ed site requires me to read certain books. It's called Toxic Charity. And, and one of the, the points in that book states that it's, in, it's important for us not to allow, um, not to do stuff for people with it, that they can do for themselves. And I, had, I never thought about that. And it came up in my theological reflection, and we brought in uh, my, my spiritual text, which is the Bible, and, and talking about how Jesus uh, uh, worked to, to, to allow people to empower themselves in, 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 in very particular ways. That's nourishing for me. And it has, again, it has stretched me. Field Ed is, a, is definitely a two-way street, though. I'm doing ministry, but I'm also receiving a lot as well. And I think that is an important component to it. Um, so in my first semester, I'm, I'm simply working with Hancock to, um, to learn more about homelessness. What, are, what, what is homelessness like in the greater Boston area? Uh, what can we do to help people who suffer from uh, homelessness? My second uh, part of, the, of, of my field at experience would be advocacy work. And moving beyond charity to going to to going into the systemic uh, understanding of wh why homelessness is what it is, and so I'm developing a program now to implement next semester uh, to get the congregation. It's a very smart congregation. Many of them have gone to MIT, Harvard, BU. I mean, you name it, they've done it. <laughs> Many of their children are in college, are going to universities. And so I'm tapping into what their strengths are already, and I'm creating a program where they can help uh, uh, students who are homeless mm -hmm. to get into college, but not only get into college, but get through college. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a part of the component is, again, doing the charity work, but focusing on how do we change the system. Mm -hmm. And that has been uh, a tremendous experience, and I'm uh, using a lot of information and, and, and theories that I learned in Professor Click's class, Administration and Leadership. And that, for me, is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. It's taking what I'm learning in class and applying it. That's why I did MDiv. I couldn't do MTS. It's too much philosophy. It's too much theory. <laughs> I, academia, I love it. But at the same time, I'm, I come from a Baptist tradition. And so the work that I do, I have to put it into practice. Mm -hmm. And I find myself doing that. Uh, and field ed gives me the opportunity to do that. It gives me uh, the space to be creative. It gives me a space to, to again, uh, uh, move beyond my comfort zone. Uh, and that's what Harvard will do to you. <laughs> it will allow you to move beyond your comfort zone and to look at a world with a, a new lens, a new worldview. And it's truly been tremendous. I, as uh, Laura said, I'm going to apply to the international field ed program uh, where I'll be going back to South Africa using the, the tools and skills that I've acquired at City Mission, but using it in, in South Africa and developing uh, more education-based programs uh, for students in Imazamayetu. It's a, a township in South Africa. So hopefully that will be my next field ed experience. It's been amazing these first six weeks. Uh, and I look forward to, to growing uh, leaps and bounds in the, in the coming year. Oh, thank you, David. Thank you. Hi, my name is Nick Zayner. I'm a third year uh, Master's of Divinity student here. I'd like to tell you all 
past one of the rites of passage by just entering the room through these complicated doors. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things to do if I'm having a bad day is to watch faculty members, some of the brightest and most accomplished people struggle to get into their class. Um, yeah, this, this has been so great to, to hear other people's experiences and a lot of what I'll say is, is gonna just echo, echo um, that. Uh, as, as was already said earlier, um, and I think this might be true of many students at HDS, uh, there might not be a typical track um, and so I, I came in here, uh, came to HDS knowing that I wanted to be a physician and wanted to work in, in that field. And what was refreshing about coming to HDS, you know, all my friends and family, uh, people when they'd ask, oh, what are you doing? They, they wouldn't get it. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Three years, a lot of money, um, what are you doing? And, and at HDS, I, I feel like they got it. Um, or at least they, they didn't ask those questions. Um, no, they, they really, I think, got it. Um, so I think the probably, and I won't make this into a sales pitch, but um, if you've seen the, the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, um, HDS, for anyone that's interested in ministry, is that chocolate factory. It is an amazing place. It's a bizarre place. Um, it's not what you would expect. Uh, maybe from a divinity school. And so that, that's been my experience coming here is uh, th there are a number of opportunities that I wouldn't have even framed as something that could be at a divinity school. So my, my experiences um, in particular in regards to field education, uh, this past summer I uh, worked for a public health organization, IMA. Um, I actually didn't realize at the time it was you that they were saying was in DC, but I was in the Democratic Republic of Congo and uh, I would really encourage you, if, if uh, the international, uh, the international, um, how should I say this? You, you feel pulled to the international stage to uh, look into the international field education opportunities. Uh, there's, it is competitive. It's a little, little bit of a challenge. No, I won't say challenge. They want to make sure that you're committed to this. So that there are a few steps to, uh, to take, but um, there are funding opportunities. And one of the, the strengths of HDS is just the network of people um, that are out there doing incredible work that, that have a connection to HDS. So um, as Emily said earlier, uh, the, the, I don't know if he's the president or the CEO, he's the head guy, Rick Santos of this organization. I mean, they, I think their budget's like 300 million, um, at least for this current cycle of projects. It's a huge organization and he's an HDS alum. And so to be able to, to make that connection, and I know this is true not only of me, but other people, um, it, it, it's amazing what's out there if you look for it. So anyways, I got this connection and ended up spending, um, I think it was about 10 weeks, 11 weeks in the Congo. Uh, very, very challenging. And I think that's something that comes up again and again. If you're looking for something easy or that will confirm in you what you already believe, uh, this might not be the place uh, for you because my experience has been, it, it is a challenge um, in a good, deeply fulfilling way, but it is a challenge. This, this is not a place for people who are satisfied with complacency. And uh, that, that was my experience in the field education. There, there were many, I, I could go anecdote by anecdote, but um, of just deeply, foundationally shaking experiences um, in, in, in my field um, at in the Congo, 
And uh, what, what's really nice, and this has been mentioned, but with the supervisor who kind of comes alongside, um, you have an opportunity to kind of process that. Whereas in, in some places and some experiences I've had, kind of you have these, these uh, I struggle for the word, an opportunity to reframe, and yet there's, uh, there's no one there to kind of come alongside and help. And so that was one of the very, very powerful experiences in the field ed um, in the Congo. Uh, I'm currently an interfaith humanist chaplain at a Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital here in Cambridge. It's really close, so I like that. Uh, it's like a five-minute walk from here. Um, I don't know why I told you that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is. Some things are easy. Yes, some, some things are easy, yeah, we'll say that. Uh, <laughs> another incredibly challenging experience. Um, these are some, some of the sickest of the sick. Uh, they're not well enough to go to a, a nursing home or assisted care, but, uh, but they're also past that kind of acute phase of being at like a mass general hospital. So just, just the, the, kind of, the kind of situations um, that I've experienced in this of people who are in really difficult spots and have a lot of obstacles to, uh, to uh, overcome, uh, it's challenging for me. Uh, I, I feel like, as, as other people have said this, I've only been in this field ed for maybe six weeks, a month, and uh, I feel challenged. I feel like my reserves are running low. I feel like I'm being stretched beyond what, what I thought uh, I was capable of. And, and I haven't solved this yet. This is still something that's ongoing. But that, those, that's been my experience in, in field ed. That's been what I've heard my friends and uh, classmates that their experiences are in field ed. Um, it, it's an opportunity to put into practice, sometimes uh, unsuccessfully, what we're learning. But uh, th through the failures, through the challenges, through the, uh, oh, I wish that had gone better, uh, we'd get better. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I think that's what, what the field education experience has been for me. Um, it's a really exciting place. I'll just say this to close. Um, I guess this will be a sales pitch, but. <laughs> HDS is an incredible place. Um, it's a very special place for me. I think one of the uh, one of the best things about HDS is that there really is a place at the table, uh, regardless of who you are, or where you're from, or what you believe. Um, whether you've whether you have a deep and abiding connection to a particular faith tradition, or you uh, might be someone like me who just felt something in me pulling me to apply. Uh, there's going to be a place here for you. So, uh, yeah, thanks. It's good to be with you. Um, I have been involved with field education here at uh, Harvard Divinity School now for some 20 years in a variety of capacities as a denominational counselor as a supervisor of students, uh, and most importantly for what I want to share with you briefly now, uh, as, as an instructor in uh, what has already been referred to as, as meaning making, this theological reflection process that accompanies the, uh, the field placement setting. And the thing that's somewhat unique about this in terms of what we've been talking about so far is that meaning making is really an opportunity for there to be uh, peer support and interaction with one another. Uh, it's an opportunity um, where small groups of students come together with a, 
trained practitioner, uh, experienced person in ministry, to reflect theologically about what's happening in our lives and in our ministry settings. Um, groups of six to eight persons typically um, meet every other week for an hour and a half um, to uh, listen to each other, to support each other, to um, commiserate with each other, to challenge each other a little bit. It's a place uh, where we encounter failure in one another's presence without shame, um, and an opportunity to, uh, to recognize that oftentimes it is in our struggles um, that we make the most progress. Um, it's, a, it's an incredibly exciting environment. I always tell my classes the first night that this is the best thing I do in my life, uh, to come together with, um, with this, this group of people over the course of a year and watch as a group begins to coalesce and really learn to listen deeply to one another, to help one another, as uh, oftentimes neophytes in, um, in the particular experience that, uh, that folks are undertaking. For many of our students, this is the first time that they encounter failure in, uh, in some kind of dramatic and visceral way. Um, and, and to discover that that's uh, not the end of something, but may in fact be the beginning of a kind of opening up um, that, that is going to serve them well in the years to come. Is, is just a really exciting um, possibility. Meaning making began uh, about 18, 17 years ago maybe as an experiment. Um, there, there has always been a reflection component that has accompanied field education, but there used to be an option to do a series <coughs> of modules around issues in ministry over the course of a year in which outside speakers would be brought in who would be experts who would tell you everything you needed to know about ministry. Um, but at the beginning, um, we started to put together these small pods of students uh, to, to really work with one another um, over the course of the year. And maybe about half of the students did the modules, half did the, the meaning making. Um, as the years have gone by, um, more and more and more students have been drawn to this uh, experiential uh, community creating uh, kind of environment so that a few years ago we stopped doing the modules. They're simply, they're, through no fault of their own, but the, there simply was not a desire or a demand because students found this kind of encounter with one another uh, and this challenge to learn to actually think and speak theologically across incredible diversity um, to be so worthwhile and to serve them so well in their, their growth as, as persons, as those who administer, and uh, in their, their professional endeavors as well. It becomes a place to sort out one's identity in, uh, in every sense of the word, and that might be enough to say about oh, that. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you to our panel. I think, I think you got a, a, a taste. Um, as Upali said, now we, we can all cook, I guess. Um, and uh, we um, know you have places to go and people to see. Again, I'll be at a lunch table at 1 o'clock. And so if you have questions for me, that might be a good time to capture that. I know 
Hannah's got to dash because she's involved in something right now, um, but you may be able to catch some of our panelists for further questions. Again, thank you very much. Thank you very much.